from the Pictures Out There studios. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series with Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart. Pictures Out There ties the future to the present and is a new approach for vision and action toward a better future. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Hello, and welcome back to the Pictures Out There podcast series. I'm Lee, and across the studio is my friend Dave. Dave, greet the people, please. Hi there. We have covered three pictures to date in our podcast series. We began with a discussion pertaining to spirituality and religion. Our second picture pertained to our physical selves, our physical beings, finding something that we love about ourselves and about that which we see in all others. We addressed our attention to minimizing or perhaps eliminating violence of all kinds. Today, we're going to take a slightly different tack. We're going to talk about three P's and an I. Dave, what are three P's and an I? Three P's and an I is a conceptual model where we make the pictures out there come to life. The three P's and an I that we will talk about over the course of these podcasts include pictures, which we've talked about and we'll talk much more about, perspectives, which is our topic for today and for several podcasts to follow, process, we'll talk about process much later, and ideals, that's the I. Ideals push us to be our best selves in a positive and constructive way, and we'll talk a lot more about ideals later. So, as Lee said, we've talked about pictures for three topics. We'll discuss quite a few more pictures during these podcasts, but for now we're going to turn to the concept of our perspectives, the second P in the model, if you will. Perspectives are, at any point in time, the approaches to people, issues, and situations that we each choose to have based on our past choices and experiences. They are the reasons why we take our stance on issues and opportunities. They're the sources of our views on issues in the world. They're the ways we choose to view issues and view the world. If pictures represent the what of our visions and our dreams, then perspectives reflect the why of those pictures. They're important here because they are a huge influence on the pictures that we each choose to create. If you want to understand someone's pictures, it helps to understand their perspectives. As we talk about perspectives, an important point to note is that we rarely take the time to overtly share our perspectives with others, to sit down and have that sharing. We rarely share the reasons why we take the stances on issues that we take. We rarely share the sources of our views on issues in the world. And we rarely share the ways or fashions in which we choose to view the world. We often go straight to our opinions, our beloved opinions, our sacred opinions. If other people agree with our opinions, then often we really don't care about how they got them. It's one for our team. Yay, we're ahead. (laughs) If other people disagree with our opinions, then we really don't care about how they got them. They're the enemy. It's one against our team. Absolutely, Dave. So let's flip the calculus on how we might think differently about disagreements and exchange of different viewpoints or opinions. There is a concept in current 
behavioral science research called loyal opposition. We've all used the old cliche numerous times, hey, let me place devil's advocate with what you said there. Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But if you really deconstruct that phrase, the devil's advocate, devil is what, Dave? Evil, right? I don't want to deal with the devil. Who does? It's evil. If you use a phrase like, let me play loyal opponent here. You're saying the same thing. I'd like to offer a different viewpoint, a, perhaps a differing or oppositional opinion. But what am I preceding it with? The term loyal. Research has found that that hits the ear a little bit differently. If you were to say I'm about ready to play devil's advocate to something that I've just professed, I'm automatically on a defensive mode. Oh boy, here comes the disagreement. However, if you say, let me be a loyal opponent here. I've just communicated. I'm on your side. We're in this together. We're having an exchange, a dialogue. So we should care about our perspectives and about the perspectives of others very deeply. We should explore them, learn about them. Perspectives are first acquired and shaped during childhood. They're informed by genetics to some degree. They are then further and deeply influenced by key role models and by our peer groups. At different points in time, as we move into our adulthood, those first perspectives acquired are formed in childhood. They're either confirmed, adjusted, tweaked, modified, or significantly changed through new adult choices we make for how we choose to view our life, how we choose to view the world and our place in it, and the roles that we play in the world. Once we've created our individual pictures and shared those with one another, there is enormous value in sharing and understanding the perspectives that have driven and shaped our individual pictures. It helps us appreciate and understand the why of the pictures and not just the what. It also gives us new insights into our own pictures. And with new insights, we can then find a greater measure of understanding, empathy, and common ground with one another that helps all of us figure out how we can move forward together with our collective pictures. So in the course of these podcasts, we'll describe a few perspectives that are hugely influential on the pictures that each of us wants for the future. Understanding these perspectives and being prepared to share where we stand on them with each other will remove a lot of the roadblocks and obstacles to unlocking the power of our pictures, and it'll make us generally happier with our relationships and with ourselves. So, let's start with an example of perspectives, choices that we make with very big implications. So this first perspective we will call, drumroll, to connect or not connect, that is the question. And this perspective is around what we're going to call our community of caring or our ongoing community of caring. We make choices about who we connect with and who we truly care about to determine who we include in what we're going to call our community of caring, who we choose to care about and when we choose to care about them. We each typically have an ongoing community of caring. I do right now at this very moment. Lee does. Each one of you listening to this podcast has one. These are people we care deeply and actively about at any point in time. The members that we each have in our community of caring may include family members, 
close friends, close co-workers, selected other people who are of like mind and orientation that we meet in person or virtually. It may also include people that we choose to include for a very specific reason. Maybe it's people who have similar interests, hobbies, or points of view that are important to us. Our caring for other people or other types of people may or may not be limited to those who are in our ongoing community of caring. For some of us, the people in our community of caring may be the only people we care about. For some of us, we may care about every single person on the planet. For some of us, we may care about those outside our community of caring to different degrees based on a great many factors. Whenever big social questions and issues arise from time to time, it is typical for us to consider our own personal interests and make decisions with those interests in mind. But we also tend to assess how the answers to those questions or those issues will be viewed by our ongoing community of caring. That consideration can also significantly influence our response or our decision to a social issue or to a public policy question. Our views or decisions on any particular question or issue are likely to be hugely influenced by who we choose to connect with and include in our ongoing community of caring. So if the conversation that we have just had and what we have just shared has gotten you thinking about who is in your community of caring today, good. Uh, we want to make sure that the pace of this conversation allows you to do some reflection along the way. And so uh, it's wonderful if what's popped into your mind while we've been talking about this are the people that are in your community of caring today. You may also be thinking about people who may have been in your community of caring in the past and uh, how, how that community of caring has changed over the years. And that's pretty normal for that to evolve uh, during the course of our lives. How do we make these choices for connection, community, and caring? It can be influenced by any number of factors. And we're going to just share some of these, and, and they are there's more than what we're going to describe here, but there's a lot of factors that can be involved. Your background and your family of origin can be a big part of your community of caring. Lee, I think we would both say that uh, family is very big to us. Our family of origin during our childhood was uh, very, very important to us and meaningful to us. Absolutely. Addition to my nuclear family, uh, adult role models outside the family. I can, in a very treasured, cherished way, think of two or three very influential teachers in my elementary school years, middle school years, secondary school years, who had profound influences on the perspectives that I grew. I had uh, an eighth grade English teacher who was hugely impactful on my life, an eighth grade Sunday school teacher. What was going on in eighth grade? I don't know what the deal was, <laughs> but, a, hap but happened to have two people during that period of time who've affected the rest of my life. Uh, friends, uh, parents of friends. Yes. You know, my, some of my uh, most beloved childhood friends, uh, their parents were very meaningful to me, and I care deeply about them uh, to this day. Absolutely. I recall a great uncle uh, whom I only got to see on a rare occasion. He lived at a great distance, not part of the immediate family, but a, a treasured great uncle. 
And the few times that I would encounter him during my childhood years, he would literally take me aside and say, you can be whatever you want to be. But you know what else? His message didn't stop there. He goes, other people can be whatever they need to be as well. And it's your job to help yourself and help them. Who we grew up with and what we grew up with can make a huge difference. Um, I had the opportunity to go from a grade school that was uh, very undiverse in terms of ethnicity and went to, for a period of time, went to a junior high, a middle school uh, that was uh, extremely diverse, a completely different experience and having that what for me was a new experience of being in a much more diverse community during the school day made a huge impact on my life and a huge impact in terms of how I view community. Absolutely. That ties nicely to our next point about perspectives and what we were taught about who should be in our community. So I grew up in a very small rural town, no diversity, ethnic or otherwise there. And it was not until I was a young man and went away to college when I began to be involved with people who were not like me. So frankly, I wasn't equipped. I didn't know how to deal with that, either positively or negatively. I look back on those first years of being in a more diverse community with with tremendous heart. And uh, at the same time that I grew up in, uh, at least through grade school years, in a fairly non-diverse community, the messaging I was getting from my parents and uh, other family members was to keep your head up, keep your eyes open. It's a big world out there and uh, there's a lot of other people out there that uh, you should be caring about who uh, don't live here, who are not like you. And uh, so that was a very important value or ideal that got established with me very early in terms of who my community should be and how I should think of that. That was an important message from your parents. It connects with our next statement, which is we determine along the way either how large and encompassing and inclusive our world is going to be, or if we choose, we can really restrict it and limit it and make it small. And it's in these childhood years where we can begin to start receiving the fear messages right? And so it it's, can be a very small step from what can be pretty normal messaging about uh, stranger danger or uh, be careful in certain situations when you are encountering people or these kinds of people uh, keep safe, particularly if, if we're trying to make sure that children are staying safe. It can be a very small step to Really, these, these kinds of people shouldn't be in your orbit. They shouldn't, they're not a part of your community. They're a part of some other group. They're a part of some other place. And so you really, they really shouldn't be a part of your world, which can then easily translate into you really shouldn't care about them. Yeah, that's right. So what is intended sometimes to be very benign messaging, like be careful, for the safety of a child can over time uh, go the other direction, right? And say, well, I've been taught my whole life that those people aren't like me. I shouldn't be around them. I shouldn't care for them. Which leads to the another point here in terms of us, uh, even as children, uh, as active agents in community building, you know, what were we taught about the benefits of meeting new and different people? Or what were we taught about uh, avoiding that you know there's no good that can come out of meeting new people or meeting these kinds of new people yes 
And what were we taught about the value of competing with others? Was that expectation set up as, yes, you should always compete for resources, for um, wealth, for whatever may be available? Or was the messaging that we received more like, there's enough for everyone? Uh, competition is, is inherently problematic. That question of abundance or scarcity, uh, we're here to cooperate or are we here to compete, starts very, very early. And so uh, in terms of how we think of community, in terms of how we think about who we should care about, it's a very easy step to uh, taking whatever that model is that we're given early on about abundance or scarcity or about competition and cooperation and translating that into what that means for community and who all we should care about. There can be situations, and we'll talk more about this, where in just the joy of athletic competition that has the umbrella of good sportsmanship around it that can just be fun and enjoyable but uh you know if the notion is well that really is a placeholder for life is all about winners and losers and it's important for you to be one of the winners because if you're not a winner then you're a loser that creates a completely different model for community and how to think about that yes absolutely and finally, in our community of caring, what were we taught about what makes us ourselves worthy and successful and valued? How are we made different from others, both in a positive and negative fashion? Based on that answer, what does that tell us about community? If we're being told that we're valued when we win, meaning that other people have lost, there's a certain arm's length that we will want to have with people that we're actively competing against who we need to have become the losers in that game so that we can win. And so that, that automatically starts narrowing our community down to people who are going to be supporting our victory mm -hmm. uh, versus all of those who are either neutral, they're not helping, or they're actively working for our defeat. Yes. Okay, so to illustrate all the things that we just talked about, we're going to sometimes use the terms macro and micro to distinguish some of the differences and connection, community, and caring that we have to some degree. So let me try to explain how we're going to use those terms. If we have a pure macro community perspective, we may consider issues and questions with an enormous and broad community of caring in mind. So the macroeconomic term versus microeconomic term, if you're familiar with that, think of it that same way. Macro's big, macro's wide, macro's large, micro is narrower. And so the impact of a big social issue, for example, for someone with a macro orientation, the impact on someone halfway across the world or in another country may be almost as important to us as the impact to a family member or a close friend if we have that macro viewpoint. If we have a micro viewpoint, the impacts to anyone that we don't personally know or deeply care about may be irrelevant to us to varying degrees. What we're taught about while we're growing up significantly influences and shapes where we are on this macro to micro spectrum, think of it as a line, as we enter young adulthood. 
So typically most of our individual ongoing community perspectives are somewhere between what I've described as those two pure extremes of macro and micro. We're usually somewhere along the line in between those two. Where our own individual perspective lies along that spectrum, though, makes a huge difference in how we react and what we believe on big social issues and questions, like the ones we've already talked about, spirituality and religion, our physical selves, and minimizing violence. They make a, These answers to the why make a huge difference on what those pictures end up being. An event that occurs to strangers like a natural disaster or a local issue. So think of situations where a tornado has happened, a hurricane has happened, a building has collapsed, other things like that, may move us to include other people or groups into that community of caring for some period of time. So I know we've all felt that, all of us have, at different times where one of those events happens, we see things on TV, uh, on our computer, video of that, and our heart, our heart is connected to those people uh, because of that event. And sometimes we'll take action and make a donation to the Red Cross or something of that nature, but it's temporary. It's possible that, uh, that an event may impact us so much that we choose to make an individual or group uh, a permanent addition to what we'd call our community of caring. Or as Lee said, we may choose to not let events like that ever really affect us in the long term. We have the perspectives we have at any point in time. But, and this is a very important but, we can always change our perspectives. Our perspectives are always our choice. They're never set in stone. At any point in time, we have the perspectives we have, and these are based on our past experiences and past choices. But remember, going forward, we can always change our perspectives. We can ensure that we have new experiences that help to evolve our perspectives, and we can make new choices. Our perspectives are always our choice. No matter what we grew up with or were influenced by as children or young adults, we can make fresh choices on what our perspectives will be going forward. And then we can try to pass those perspectives along to the next generation to influence their perspectives on connection, community, and caring. We can make a decision. Usually our perspectives change because of experiences that we have and experiences that we choose to go have. So the notion isn't that necessarily you have this perspective today and just sitting here in a chair, I'm going to go change my perspective. But what you can choose to do is to go have new experiences, broader experiences, different experiences, and just go, go have them and let those experiences then drive you to see the world in a little different place. And that's, that is uh, a tip to all of us, Lee and me included. Excellent. So in closing this podcast, we'd like to remind you to think about the following as it relates to your ongoing community of caring. First and foremost, who is in your community of caring? Why are they inside it? Who is not? And why have they been excluded? Are you operating in more of a micro way or a macro way? And give some thought to why you might be in closer to one end of that continuum or the other. Then, finally, how has your community of caring changed and evolved over time? In what ways? 
And why do you suppose that occurred? What were the experiences that enabled that evolution? So that concludes our podcast today about perspectives. And we will have on our next podcast, Lee and I will be sharing our own perspectives relative to community of caring. And we look forward to doing that. Everybody have a good day. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining our podcast today. For more information about Pictures Out There products, services, and communities, or to contact us, please visit us at picturesoutthere.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at PicsOutThere. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us for our next podcast. We hope you have the day of your dreams.